I would feel so dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was yeah. still a sin. Yeah. But finally, the Lord has helped me to know. Amen. I, don't, I don't do that anymore. You might be at night. It's de the devil may drive to sow seeds at night, you know, tears or whatever. I got up. I told my husband what I dream. But I just rebuked the devil. Yes. I'm not that person anymore. No. She was talking about a piano, and I guess I'm supposed to praise the Lord for all he does. So I was over at uh, the Humane Society the other day, and uh, what was it? Habitat. The Humane Society. That's the gold place. Sorry, not that place, the other place. The Habitat Humanity. And I went in there, and she had told me about a piano that was in there. Well, I was looking for something else. I went in there, couldn't find it. But I found the piano, and I was looking at it, trying to see if it was worth anything, maybe. You know, I didn't know. But I was like, nah, I don't have any room for this. So I, I got up, and I left. And uh, as I was leaving, the main lady in there, if y'all been in there, you know who I'm talking about. She, she just, she, yeah. you know, she, you know her. She said, hey, you didn't get that printer? <laughs> I said, I didn't want the printer, because there was a printer on top of it. So I moved the printer to get to the piano. And I said, I didn't want the printer. I wanted what was under the printer. She's like, well, I'll give it to you for $15. I said, no, no, no. I want the piano. I'll take the piano for $15. You know? <laughs> and she said, well, she said, do you play? I said, yeah. She said, come here. So we got up there and there was a guy in there singing. And I heard him. Wow, he's good. I mean, he was really good. He was singing. Just the acoustics in there was just, just you know, reverberating and sounding really good. And uh, I, t I felt like the Lord dealt with me to play the piano. And I was like, yes. oh, Lord, I, I, you know, just, I'm not going to do that. 
and you, you have to get somebody to come and get me to do that. Well, she said, do you play? Well, come here. So they're over there at the piano. She said, well, play us a song. I said, ah. She said, you better get one ready. So we went up there. They're over there at the piano, and they quit. And they said, hey, he's going he's gonna to play one for us. So I go up, and I just press the key. And this lady behind me, she said, order my steps. I said, how did you know that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and she knew that. And we stayed there for probably two or three hours uh, after she, she come up to me, and she... I shook her hand, but she kind of hugged me. And she said, uh, "She said, you know, something about you earned it. Piano's yours, you know." So she gave me a piano, a piano. So pray the Lord will help me to to do something with it. But while we were there, there was a a, a lady. She had come up and she was hearing us sing. She said, "Will y'all wait?" She said that my granddaughter, I think she had cancer, some kind of something wrong with one of her vertebrae or something had was not there. She said, "We we." We want, she wants to come, her, her mom, my, my daughter, my, her mom wants to bring her. And, and so she came, we prayed for her, we talked to him a little bit. And I believe her name was Isabella, the little girl's name. I can't remember the mama's name. So pray for them, that the Lord would, would help them. And also the other folks wanted to come to our revival. So I told them about the revival. So be praying for that as well. Um, all right, John chapter 14. Sorry, I spent a little time there. John chapter 14, verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And just because I want to, I want to read the rest. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But in verse 3 it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Amen. I will Amen. come again. Yes. I'm not, I, I know y'all can preach this a whole lot better yes. than I can, so I'm going to try to stay away from what I don't know how to do. Let y'all let y'all do that. But I'd like to preach on the King is coming. The king is coming. So let's pray. Pray with me, if you will, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word, God, and your promises, Lord, God, that you will keep them. Lord, I pray that you encourage us tonight, Lord, and help us on the altar tonight, Father. Lord, touch us tonight. Move for us, God, tonight, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I'm not going to take real long. Really not. I have a lot of scriptures. So if y'all, if, if you turn with me to the scriptures, that's fine. If you don't want to turn with me, I understand because I'm going to, I may go a little faster. So if you want to pay attention and not turn, that's fine. But uh, 2 Samuel, I'll be turning to chapter 9. I don't know how to do this. 2 Samuel. It says, David says, there any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called on him, David the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son. So here we jump into the story, which is, I, I know you know it, of Mephibosheth, right? Of the, the, the man that was lame on his feet. But here, specifically, we're talking about David. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. I know we know it, but just entertain me. Okay, so David was a king. David replaced 
pretty well Saul. Yeah. Samuel and Saul, this whole big thing, Samuel come up. And, and these people, Israel, they asked for a king. They wanted a king. And Saul actually said unto them, I have it written down, but I'm just going to tell you for the sake just of, of flowing. Uh, Samuel said, prophesied unto them and said, you want a king, but it's not pretty much in my own words. It's not what you think that it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. He's going to be this, 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 and this. Wow. He's going to put your daughters into slavery. He's going to do this. He's going to take them out into war and all those kinds of things. It's not what they expected. But he said, nonetheless, we want a king to rule and to reign over us. We want him to be a judge over us. And we want him to go out and to fight our battles. Yes. We want a king. Uh, but he's going to do this. He's going to do that. And all that came to pass. All that was true, but still they wanted a king. And God said, hearken unto them and go get a king. So God chose this man named Saul. At first, Saul was good. Saul was great. There, there, God, it was God chosen. Wow. But I think it was him that God said, uh, when, you, when you were little in your own eyes, yes. when, when you were. But after a while, there is a danger in pride. And yes. I've noticed that in my life. When I start thinking I'm something and I'm great, like Brother Robert was saying, I'm the only one doing such and such and such and this, I'm wrong. Yes. And then after a while, I'm going to fall. That's what yes. the Bible says. Before yes. a pride cometh before a fall. Where there is strife, yes. there is pride, I believe is what it says. Yeah. I can't remember if that was off the cuff. But anyhow... So Samuel saw this king. I'm preaching on the king is coming. So the first king we're going to talk about is Saul and then David. Saul was this man. He was tall in stature. I mean, he looked like a king, you know. He was probably strong and he was, you know, just focused in his mind and whatnot. He looked the part. He was the part. God had chosen him. But after a while, he fell. And God said, there is a man that I have chosen, which is a man after my own heart. And that was David. And I don't believe there was a, a king like David. And I, I've, I've pondered on David because he was did all this stuff. But yet God said, he's a man after my own heart. Yes. There was a difference between David and Saul. Yes. Saul got up and said, all right, Samuel, I've, I don't even know if he said I sinned. But after he sinned, he said, Samuel, come with me and worship with me amongst the people. He was saying, come with me and just act like everything's all right. Yeah. Just act like everything's normal and everything's wow. good. And just let's worship and wow. show the people that everything's fine and nothing happened. But really, he wasn't repenting of his sins. But when David... David sinned. David did not do that. No. He sat in sackcloth and ashes. He rended his garments and I believe wow. he rended his heart. He sat there and he repented unto God. And yes. you can read that. He Amen. said, Lord, I have sinned and against you only have I sinned. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me and so on and so forth. David replaced Saul to, uh, uh, could you imagine David and his brothers? He was the smallest one. They were all in one house, I'm assuming. Well, they all lived together, I guess. And here comes Samuel the prophet with the, the horn of oil. It seemed like when Samuel came in, I know I'm really slow. Y'all just bear with me tonight. It seemed like when Samuel came in, you know, Samuel, what are you doing here? The only reason you come here is something's going on, something's bad. You're about to tell us some kind of judgment or something. But really, he wasn't there for that. He had brought his oil to anoint the new king over Israel. He went into the house of Jesse, and he said, well, he saw one. One king came up to him, and he said, no, that's not him. 
Go away. No, that's not him. No, that's not him. So on and so forth. Is there not any more sons? Is there not any, anybody left of your house? Well, there's one. He's out in the sheep. He didn't even think to bring him in. He didn't wow. look like Saul, I don't think. Maybe he looked like me. I don't know. But he, he didn't look, you know, stature and, and whatnot. But he was out. He's, I think the Bible says he was comely. Wow. Is that right? Okay, I can't remember. Sorry. Ready. Ready. Okay. Well, good countenance. Fair countenance. But he was out in the field tending the sheep. The lowliest job in Israel. And he came in. The king came in. And he anointed him with oil. And God's spirit came upon him in the midst of his brethren. Oh, That's our second king. So here we jump right into the story of David. And he says, is there not any of Saul's house? Now why would he want to show kindness unto Saul's house? It wasn't necessarily because of Saul. But it was because of his son, Jonathan. And they were friends. You lie to that. Bam. So he goes down, he says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. I think it was, uh, I can't remember his name, it's just gone. But there was one preacher, he preached on this, and he made it like, look, he's coming. There comes the, the chariot, there comes the king's chariot, you know, the king was coming. He wasn't yes. coming for judgment necessarily, he wasn't coming for anything bad, but he was coming for blessing. He was yes. coming to do good unto the house of Jonathan right. and the house of Saul. And David said unto him, fear not, for I will surely shew thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I? Why did he say he was a dead dog? I don't think it was necessarily because he was crippled. He was crippled. We know that reading the former of the story. But I think it was because he was of the house of David's enemy. He was yes. of the house of that. So he was at enmity against the king. This in the Old Testament is a shadow of God coming to us and saving us. We were at one time the enemy of God. We were the enemy of the king. The Bible says that he that is friends with the world is at enmity with God. When you are in sin, you are an enemy of our holy God. When, when sin is against God. So here he says, a dead dog as I am. That was me and that was you before God saved us. But David the king sent his servant. God sent his spirit to come and draw us in and he put us under his table. That same preacher, he, he, he was talking about um, when he pushed in the table, nobody saw his handicap. He was just like all the rest of the children at the table. I like that. So, a dead dog such as I am, God came to us. It's a shadow for us. I'm not going to take a long tonight. So, our king is not David, of course, but our king is Jesus. Our king is beautiful in holiness. Our king in Genesis 17 and 1 is almighty, not just mighty. Our king in Isaiah 6, it says that his train filled the temple. You know what his train is? I know you've heard this, I'm sure. His train was when back in the day when a king would win a battle, would win a victory. They would cut the train, which is the flowy little things off, and they would cut that off and they would sew it somehow, attach it to the new king that won. Cut that off, attach it. So every time they do that, the train would get longer and longer. You know, if they go to a king that had won a lot of battles, they cut off a long train, they attach it there, and then they get a really, really, really long train. Would God's train filled the temple. Yes. I don't know if it filled the floor 
or if it just filled the whole thing where you're like swimming through a train. I, I'd like to believe that because God has never, not one time, lost. He's never made a promise that He did not keep. He never got into a battle that He knew He wouldn't survive. Amen. He, he didn't say, oh, I'm not going to do that one, so I'm not going to go there. No. When He got into something, He kept His word and He went through with it. Amen. So his train filled the temple. He never lost a battle. Our king is slow to anger in Nehemiah 9 and 17. Our king delights in mercy in Micah 7. He hates sin. He loves righteousness. In the book of Psalms, it says he's all wise. In Romans, it says he's the only wise God. In 1 John, it says he is all knowing. This is our king. You can look at David and see the shadows and the types and things, but our king is real. Our king has his own personality. Our king is holy. Um, let's flip over to Psalms chapter 45. If I can find it. Old Testament. It says, my heart is indicting a good matter. Let's see. I think it was indicting. It it means to gush. Have you ever thought about something and it just it's just it's gushing. It's just flowing out. Yes. My heart is gushing. It's it's indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. It's just it's just about to explode. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. This is talking about our king. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory places, whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. That's, that's, that's us. Among thy honorable women, upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of a fur. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty. I love that song that we sang earlier. I've never sang it before, but I've read it. The royal telephone. I love it. It's great. I've read the words before, and I love it. When we talk to God... We're, we're not unwanted children. I think A.W. Tozer said it this way. We're not somebody that, that's, that he's like, oh, him again? He's not, we're, not, we're not bothering him. We're not unwanted. It says the king greatly desires our beauty. He desires the good things that we can offer him. He desires our prayers and our praise and our worship. He desires that. He likes that. It's not that, that we get down to pray in the morning and we worship God and it's just, okay, it's a duty to you and it's a duty to me. Okay, no, he desires that, right? Yeah. For he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. That is, that is our, our beauty. A.W. Tozer said, work or worship. Which one came first? Yep. And the daughter of Tyre, 
shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. That is our king, and our king is coming. Yes. So Israel wanted a king. It was it was whispered and, 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 and told about of God in the Old Testament. Uh, maybe more than whispered. But it was it was told and prophesied about. Uh, I believe in, in 1 Samuel, is it, no, Isaiah chapter 42, it talks about, a, a, it describes the, the Messiah as a, a ruler and a conqueror, a, a conqueror of kingdoms and a, and a king in that way. And that's what they were looking for. And he is that. But they didn't. Ex they expected a, a, a political uh, ruler and not a, a suffering savior. Yeah. It really describes in Isaiah fifty three. It says, "Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him." He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with They expected somebody to come and to free them from earthly oppression. They had their eyes here, but he was having something in mind that was so much greater than that. And when they did not see what they expected, when they were like the old king in the Old Testament, when the, the prophet wouldn't come out and do what he thought, he said, behold, I thought. He missed the blessings of God and he went on, but eventually he did turn back. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. There was a, um, a guy that went around and took interviews. And he said, if I can prove to you that the Bible is true, will you believe it? I mean, really prove to you. Well, I guess so, just on the street corners, you know. So he said, okay, I'm going to read to you a scripture that's about four to six hundred years old, something like that. I can't remember. It's really, really old, okay? And I'm going to tell, I'm going to, I want you to ask, I want to ask you, I want you to tell me, who is this talking about? Now remember, it's like, it's like 500 years old. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. He, wrote, he read this, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities therefore will I divide him a portion of the the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's our king. And those people on the street corner, they said, Jesus. They said, well, what do you mean? This was written like 500 years ago, way before Jesus. You know, this wasn't, you know, 
What? what? You know? Anyhow. Yeah. I may have the dates wrong, but y'all So, it worked. I'm going to read John chapter 1. Sorry, I know I'm skipping around a lot. John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm preaching on the King is coming. Behold, there is the King, and He is coming. God told him a sign that God would do upon the Messiah when He came, upon the one whom you've been basically preparing your whole life for. He said, I shall decrease and He shall increase. That was His life's work, to prepare and make the way for the Messiah. And finally, Jesus came down. The sign came down upon Jesus. He saw the dove and He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is He whom God hath prophesied. This is our king. Our king had come. The one who we just read about. He finally came. And he did. He died on the cross. And he resurrected the third day. Just as it says in the scriptures. But then something weird happened when he resurrected. And I cannot figure out where I read it from. But anyhow, I couldn't find it. Um, I've tried to look for it before and just couldn't find it. But when they went into the tomb... There was this really weird thing, and it doesn't explain it a whole lot, but there was a little napkin by itself, and it was just laying there. It was folded up neatly by itself together, and it was just it was sitting over by itself. And what that was is we kind of have this tradition here still today. Like if I'm eating my plate of food, and I'm sitting there, and I'm eating, and I'm still eating, and I say, ah, I got to get up. I'm going to go get a refill, or I'm going to go to the restroom, or whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get my napkin and just throw it on my plate. Okay, but if I'm done and I'm leaving, my friends are going to stay there and I say, all right, guys, I'll see y'all later. I'm going to ball this. It's just me. I'm going to ball this up and I'm going to throw it on my plate and let the waiter know when he comes by. I'm finished. I'm not coming back. But that's not what Jesus did. The, the, the tradition that they had back then was similar, but it was a whole lot more. They would do that with these, the servants and the eunuchs and things that would come by. If they folded their napkin up, that meant I'm not finished. I am coming back to my meal. I'm still eating. But if they were done, I can't remember what they would do. I'm just going to assume it was something like I would do. and ball it up and throw it on the plate. But that's not what Jesus did. He didn't ball it up. He didn't throw it in his plate. He said, I'm not finished here. I am coming back. Now, Jesus did say on the cross, it is finished. He was referring to the work of salvation that he had purchased upon Calvary. But he said, I am coming back. He said, I'm preaching on the king is coming. The linen cloth was wrapped together by itself. God was letting us know in yet another way, I am coming back. I'm not done here. The Bible says, he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. Y'all can start getting the song ready. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. Uh, I was talking to that guy on the street. He was going with his, you know, his once saved, always saved stuff. And that's not a derogatory thing, by the way. I know I use that derogatorily, but I've read tracks where it was backing that up. And it was called once saved, always saved. That's what they say. That's their doctrine. That's what it's called. Uh, but anyhow. And, he, and I, I kind of brought this up to him. He that endureth unto the end shall be saved. You know, 
We sing that song, and I think we mentioned earlier, if I have to crawl to get to the waters, if I have to crawl. There was a story that one preacher told. He said there was a man, he had gotten saved, and he said, I, you know, I don't know what to do. I can't remember exactly. This may be a little wrong. If you've heard it, forgive me. Just correct me. Uh, but he said, I don't know what to do. Every time I go home from work, uh, go to work and come back to work, every time I walk to work, there is this liquor store there, and I go in and I just I buy something, and I, I don't know what to do. I've got to stop doing that. I said, okay, well, here's what you do. When you go past the liquor store, just if you have to, I mean, just shield your eyes and crawl on the ground. And, just, and he said, I can't remember if he advised him to do that or he came back to the guy, but nonetheless, that's what he started doing. He'd go past the liquor store, and he would just crawl on the ground and he say all right i got it i got it he said but something happened the other day i went to work and i was just rushing to work and i, and I just i forgot to crawl on the ground well did you go in the liquor store no I, I i didn't go in the liquor store but i forgot it. well praise god so the point is even if you have to crawl on the ground for a little while and pass the things that are tempting you go ahead and do that after a while you won't have to crawl on the ground First Thessalonians 4 and 17 through 18, it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then it says this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Our King is coming. Yes, He is coming in wrath and judgment. And He is coming to, to, to bring that upon those that have accept, not accepted Him and rejected Him. But for the saints of God, He is coming as... In some ways, I know it's a shadow of salvation. In some ways, as he was coming from Mephibosheth, coming to take him home, coming in blessings, yeah. not not to be afraid of and scared, but something to be excited about. So let's stand. Yeah. I know I'm slow, but hopefully I've said something that will encourage and the word of God does not turn void. So. But our king is coming. I love that story. It's just something that, that's, that's always intrigued me. There was a napkin. There, there's a whole verse uh, dedicated just to it. It doesn't explain it, maybe because it thought we don't have to. It's just everybody knows this. But it was laid together in a place by itself. Not in just that way. Jesus let us know in a lot of ways. But he took the time to do this and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. He greatly desires our beauty. We are his bride. So let's come. Let's pray.